Welcome to In the Kitchen. Uh, my name's Jeff, and I'm here with Zach and Billy and Christina, and we're going to be jumping into Daniel 5. And just as a reminder, what the In the Kitchen is, is uh, it's a precursor to the message coming up on Sunday, and it's an opportunity for us to just talk through the passage. It's really fun for me to be able to hear from other people kind of some insights and things they see in the passage. So without further ado, we're going to jump in. It's a longer chapter, so we're not going to read everything. We'd encourage you that uh, because you're probably able to pause this, you could pause it and read the rest of the chapter, and that would give you some of the verses that we'll likely refer to. But right now, Daniel 5, verses 1 to 12. King Belshazzar made a great feast for a thousand of his lords and drank wine in front of the thousand. Belshazzar, when he had tasted the wine, commanded that the vessels of gold and of silver that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken out of the temple in Jerusalem be brought, that the king and his lords, his wives, and his concubines might drink from them. Then they brought in the golden vessels that had been taken out of the temple, the house of God in Jerusalem, and the king and his lords, his wives, and his concubines drank from them. They drank wine and praised the gods of gold and silver, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. Immediately the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace, opposite the lampstand, and the king saw that the hand saw the hand as it wrote. Then the king's color changed, and his thoughts alarmed him. His limbs gave way, and his knees knocked together. The king called loudly to bring in the enchanters, the Chaldeans, and the astrologers. The king declared to the wise men of Babylon, Whoever reads this writing and shows me his interpretation shall be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold around his neck and shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Then all the king's wise men came in, and they could not read the writing or make known to the king the interpretation. Then King Belshazzar was greatly alarmed, and his color changed, and the lords were perplexed. The queen, because of the words of the king and his lords, came into the banquet hall, and the queen declared, O king, live forever. Let not your thoughts alarm you or your color change. There is a man in your kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. And the days of your father, light and understanding and wisdom like the wisdom of the gods were found in him. And King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father the king, made him chief of the magicians, the enchanters, the Chaldeans and astrologers, because of an excellent spirit, knowledge and understanding to interpret dreams, explain riddles and solve problems were found in this Daniel, whom the king named Belteshazzar. Now let Daniel be called and he will show the interpretation. And then at that point... Daniel does just that. He walks in, he reads what was written on the wall. Um, but before he actually reads it, I, I, this will be one of the questions right off the bat, is I almost get a sense that Daniel looked at the writing on the wall, looked at it as he walked in, knew what it said right off the bat, and went, oh, dude, you're toast. He thinks <laughs> that because he goes into a story right off the bat. So Daniel then tells the story of his dad, of uh, Belshazzar's father, who we'll discuss may have very well been his grandfather, but that story of Nebuchadnezzar about how in chapter 4 he ends up being humbled and going down on his knees and eating grass. And he tells that whole thing, and some key lines we'll jump into in just a second. But then as he finishes up that story, he gives those final words, the interpretation, and uh, that shows up in verse 24. Then from his presence... The hand was sent, and this writing was inscribed, and this is the writing that was inscribed. Mene, Mene, Tekel, Parson. 
And this is the interpretation of the matter. Mene, God has numbered the days of your kingdom and brought it to an end. Tekel, you have been weighed in the balance and found wanting, for as your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. Then Belshazzar gave the command, and Daniel was clothed with purple, a chain of gold was put around his neck, and a proclamation was made about him that he should be the third ruler in the kingdom. And that very night, Belshazzar, the Chaldean king, was killed. And Darius the Mede received the kingdom, being about 22 years, 20, or 62 years old. That's the whole story. So we left out a little bit of what Daniel says, and there's some killer things that he says in there. But uh, as you guys hear that story, again, freshly, what jumps out at you? Well, for me, the first thing that jumps out is, I mean, when you read the passage, the majority of the passage is spent by Daniel talking and retelling a story about Nebuchadnezzar to Belshazzar, which clearly, he Belshazzar would have known that story. It's not like super removed from him, although it could have been a couple of generations removed. But, um, yeah, the first thing that like pops out to me is just how quickly we forget who God is and what he's doing and the lessons that he's portrayed to us. Um, like, Nebuchadnezzar had this crazy experience where he was clearly warned about his arrogance and his pride and not, like, acknowledging God for who he was. And then he he was given an opportunity to repent from that and he didn't and so then he was majorly humbled and came around and writes this amazing you know story about and testimony about who God is then we have Belshazzar who's like living in extreme arrogance and as it says you know we didn't read that part of the the chapter but Daniel even tells him like you've not acknowledged God the God who you know, gives you breath and gives you life. You're acknowledging all these other gods, but you are not acknowledging the true God. And so, yeah, I, I think for me that that's kind of the biggest thing is just, man, it's, it reminds me of the passages that talk about not forgetting the example of the Israelites, you know, like we've been given their story as an example, as a testimony. And we look and see like the patterns of humanity and the faithfulness of God. And yet we're often living that same pattern, despite having the testimony of those who've gone before us. And hopefully we can glean and learn from the wisdom that's gone before us instead of just repeat the same sins, you know, the same patterns. But Yeah, you come to that quote about history is that uh, those who don't know history are condemned to repeat it. And I probably botched that a little bit, but the principle is the same. That if we don't remember those things that were learned by generations before us, we're condemned to repeat it. And Daniel pulls out a line here that's, that's troubling. Um, to me, uh, just in it, it literally kind of fires back into my world on that. On verse, uh, I think it's 22, um, Daniel's talking and he says, And you, his son, Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart, though you knew all of this. Yeah. So this story that he's just told about Nebuchadnezzar, his dad, he says, You know this story. You, you know this. And you are going to be accountable for what you know. And that's where it troubles me, <laughs> is that I look at it and go, oh, no, I know, I know a few things, too. And what, am I living according to those things? Mm-hmm. And that might just be me. But. Yeah. Well, it makes <laughs> me wonder just... if, he, if he knew all this, he probably knew of Daniel. And when the queen shows up, she's acting as though he's, he, he doesn't really know who he is or, or he's at least distanced himself from him. It's almost like he's removed himself from the actual wise counseling of someone who has 
proven himself over and over again, and yet he's um, placed that person who should be truly speaking into his life and his his dealings, and instead of outside, and instead of surround himself with other people who will kind of just be yes men and tell him what's what he wants to hear. Because uh, I'm sure if he if he does know these stories, Daniel must be included in them as the interpreter of all these things he's heard from his uh, ancestors. You know. Yeah, I, I saw that too with with Daniel. I was kind of wondering at this point, as I just read from four to five, you know, I didn't didn't make the immediate connection of the jump in a generation, you know. So you just pick up from King Nebuchadnezzar to King Belshazzar, but Daniel is in fact old at this point, right? And so, yeah, I agree that the king would have known who he is. And and as gracious as we've seen Daniel be through these chapters, um, he, he continues to display that, I think. But it, it's as if he's just saying, you should have known this. <laughs> like, you've seen your father or grandfather, whatever generation it is, you know, you should have known, you should have received these lessons. And, uh, and Daniel, as we've come to know, just tells it like it is, you know. Yeah, and it's interesting, too, to think, like, one of the things we've talked about before is just the difference in Daniel's response to Belshazzar than to Nebuchadnezzar. Like, when he tells Nebuchadnezzar the prophecy, he's like, oh, man, I wish this wasn't for you, you know? But with Belshazzar, he just is like, here's what it is. Your kingdom's going to be taken from you, and you mess this up, essentially, you know? But we don't know the history before. We We don't know, you know, how many times Belshazzar was made aware of this you know like clearly it says he he knew this so i think for me like it's easy to read it and be like wow this feels a little harsh or maybe a little harsher than it was with nebuchadnezzar but this is just the piece of the story that we've been given to learn from in this chapter you know there's history before that too there's also this uh this little play that goes between the golden vessels and uh, there's a we'll have a conversation about these golden vessels that are taken from the temple in Israel. And these are gods. So these are literally the things that were sacred to the Lord in the Holy of Holies, used for those sacred rituals that God instilled for the Jews to to practice. So when Nebuchadnezzar goes, he actually takes all of that and brings it, and it's been kept around. So it's not just like been melted down and done other things, but they literally have like enjoyed the craftsmanship of this stuff and are using it, and there's almost this this mockery of it. But then there's this point, too, in verse 4. They drank wine and praised the gods of gold and silver, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. So we have this contrast where what should be almost a backdrop, a prop in this story, of the cups and what they drank of, that suddenly brings this out to say, no, this is actually part of the story. So how do you see that playing out in the middle of this? Well, like you said, I mean, as being the, the temple vessels, it would have been a disgrace for Belshazzar through the history of those vessels to continue, as you said, um, to be taken and to be used in those sorts of ways. And, you know, it's no surprise that then this writing on the wall, which I think is a fun, you know, it's fun to kind of understand the history of that exactly. idiom, um, that there would be this judgment that would come upon him with, with disgracing you know, the sacred things. Yeah, you think of it as um, as them enjoying their supposed victory. Like, there's this constant theme where where God looks like he's lost. 
um, but truly he's he's always victorious. I mean, think of the cross, right? Like Paul talks about the cross looks foolish. It looks like the powers of one, uh, but on the just that's just on the onset, right? That's what it looks like the powers of one, but truly behind the scenes, God is victorious. And I think even in this moment, they're celebrating their victory over Israel, over Judah, over um, over God. To them, they've they've defeated him. Uh, and yet here at the end of the story, it's, it's truly God is victorious, right? Like I love that the word there is that, um, at the end is that Darius receives the kingdom. It's not like he, he won it. It was like, no, God's really the one who's moving all these pieces, no matter what you think you're doing. And you think you're getting the victories here with your own power. Like God is the one who's moving these pieces and all this. And obviously the pride and humility portion of this is huge. I mean, that's, if there was one word that you pull out of it, this is about pride. And the pride of Belshazzar, as he does feel like it's a little heady, I can do all things, I have all of these lords around me, a thousand lords, I can bring in this stuff from another country we've conquered. But he's going with all of that pride, and that very night... You know, we talk about pride comes before the fall. You're just like, yeah. within a few moments. And literally, that implies that the um, the Medes and the Persians are at the gates. Like, the, the story, historically, is that they come up through, they had basically come up through the water ducts underneath and were already in the kingdom. So they were there, and it was just a matter of time. And, and it raises all kinds of questions that we'll never have answered here, but about how much of that Daniel knew that tonight the kingdom would fall. Or was it just the writing on the wall for him, and then they came in? The fact is, is Daniel then plays a role with Darius and and continues on with the next king. And that's the spectacular thing, is you've got this guy who's a slave. He's in exile, and yet he's serving kingdom king after king in that process humbly, as he moves on, and yet here's the guy with all the power and the arrogance, and the writing's on the wall. Yeah, that was one thing that stood out to me too, is just the wisdom of God in elevating Daniel to a place of leadership the exact day that the kingdom transfers to another king, to another nation, or power, or whatever, and that God uses Daniel through all these different kings and even these different powers to reveal himself to the highest ruler of those kingdoms, you know. And that that's only God, like, who could do that. And God's wisdom and God's timing and, you know, it's just pretty amazing to think about it. I love that um, Daniel, through all of this and through the, the chapters that we've already seen so far and the formation of his character and who he is, He's, he's always proven himself to be a man of great character and now advanced in age. He just knows himself, right? He, he doesn't, he's obviously in verse 17, you know, he's aware of the gifts and accolades that would come by this interpretation and none of it ever seems to matter to him. He just knows, he says, nevertheless, I will, I'll read the, the writing and I'll, I'll do my job. He knows, um, he knows what he's been called to do. He, he's fixed on, you know, the faithfulness of achieving that purpose, um, knowing who he is in God, and he, he does it with great courage, obviously under these kinds of circumstances where, you know, realms would change, and, and yet he's the constant in that because of God's, you know, blessing of him through that. So, 
that's fun to watch. It's striking, too, though, the fact that these stories, as they, they come in, there are huge gaps in between them, right? Yeah. So this thing happens when they first come and they take the diet and, you know, say, hey, we're going to eat differently. And then they come into the scenario where um, Daniel interprets the dream, and then he's not heard from for a while. You know, he's, he's put over all the other satraps and stuff like that. But now we've gone on potentially all the way to the grandkids that are rolling, and at that point, he's still there, but there's a lot of time in between. And that, that concept makes me realize how many times that, that I might go, oh, Lord, would you please use me? I give you my life. Would you, you know? And then nothing happens. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it might be just years of normal life. And sometimes I think, gosh, has God forgotten me? And yet we look at Daniel and think, oh, no, Daniel is one of God's choice servants, right? But not for, we're literally getting a picture of a few stories in between. Now, the prophecies kind of stack things up differently at the end. But the stories themselves show that faithfulness over long periods of time in between. And that's something that was an encouragement to me to realize, man, if God hasn't used me in two months, two years, 20 years, Am I still going to be faithful to God? Is it about him using me or is it about me actually leaning into God? Yeah, and I think, too, there's some, like, uh, assessment about how we feel like God is using us, you know? Like, because these stories, these are, like, powerhouse stories. So we look at these and we're like, oh, my gosh, like, God, please use me like that. But in the, the, like, mundane faithfulness of life, God still uses us in that, too. It's just maybe it doesn't feel glamorous or exciting or we don't even see it, you know, because we can't measure the way that God's using us to reach the people around us as we just be faithful to do the mundane things of life, you know. So I think, too, trusting God with that is a piece of that and surrendering to him and just living a life, a quiet life kind of of integrity and trust and not getting dazzled by the, mm-hmm. you know, the glamour of the kind of crazy stories or whatever. So there's this passage, the last part of 23, um, and you have praised the gods of silver and gold, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone, which do not see or hear or know, but the God in whose hand is your breath and whose are all your ways you have not honored. That to me is like... <laughs> great theology just laid out and Daniel just threads it right there but even to that point right that you having breath at all is because of the hand of God so even when we think life should be something much much more this this concept is is that your breath is in his hands that literally God has you and the fact that you're breathing at all is because God is is literally choosing to keep you alive I think it was interesting too. I mean, we touched on this a little bit, but the the change that happened in Nebuchadnezzar contrasted with what's happening in Belshazzar. I think it was really what stood out to me. We learned, I think, from chapter three, um, so maybe mentioned by Kristen, that um, Nebuchadnezzar was acknowledging God, had knowledge of who God was, but wasn't wasn't really responsive. And yet, fast forward through chapter four, and to this point, we, we see that that is the case. I mean, he's he's broken to his knees, he loses his kingdom, and yet God restores him back to the throne based on his, you know, turning to God, acknowledging who God is, and uh, and we just we we don't see that 
and Belshazzar, right? And so that, that really stood out to me, that there was that comparison, like we talked about, you know, no, no learning from these lessons. So, yes. You have not humbled your heart, right. though you knew all this. Any other thoughts on the, the words? And we had a short conversation before the camera started rolling, so I'm going to try to pull you guys back into the conversation about that. Well, not, not to make too little of the drama of the story, too. Yeah. I mean, I think when I was reading this, like, the handwriting on the wall, like, that's, a, <laughs> that's like straight out, like, Stranger Things or something, you know? <laughs> you got this really spooky scenario that's going on. Um, these words are written, and, and I have to believe that they, although Belshazzar in this drunken state, you know, was not aware pro- probably of most things, that these words were written because the Chaldeans came to interpret them and, and couldn't, right? That's what we were talking about. Like, how, how did Daniel come to know that what the words were where others couldn't um, understand what they were? But they, they seem like just three relatively simple words. Yeah, and that's another thing we were saying, too, is that the words, they aren't like, they don't, I'm, I'm not a scholar in this, but when I looked it up, it doesn't seem like they're, you know, uncommon words or something. They're words that have meaning. They mean different types of, like, measurements of weight, you know? So it was curious that only Daniel could be the one to read them and know what it meant. The reading part feels curious to me, because, like, the interpretation feels like, oh, yeah, that's something that God would need to give him. But just to be able to even read them and understand what they were saying, it's like, oh, that's weird that no one else could, you know? Right. Yeah. So some people have a certain style of handwriting that, that is hard to read. So <laughs> God's have writing really is... Flourished <laughs> person, you know, and totally. puts it out there. But, but it wasn't a problem for Daniel. And we don't know. We don't know that it was in a different language. You know, we, we get the words themselves, um, and they're translated now in their meaning, but there's a question about whether the the you would think that the Chaldeans, who were supposed to be scholars, would have multiple languages down, mm-hmm. that they would get that. Yeah. So it doesn't give us any insight into that, other than they couldn't and he could. But then it is so simple. And then it is a translation that is like, hey, this is what it says. And again, from the very beginning, I almost think Daniel walked in, looked over at the wall, saw it, and went, well, this will be a short conversation. <laughs> you know, it's like, it ends now. <clears throat> and, and hence why he's, he goes into the story about his dad. It's like you, he didn't come in and ask about, hey, tell us the story of your dad. Mm-hmm. He came in and said, hey, interpret this, and he doesn't. He tells the story first. Yeah. yeah that's right. I have to say, too, like one of the things that blows my mind about Daniel, and I know this creates so much contention, but is the prophetic voice that Daniel has like trajecting the course of history is nuts you know like for him to be able to say i mean he said this earlier in chapter four is it when he talked about or whatever the the statue chapter two right when he talked about the nations that were going to come and and take over and just the way that that played out in history is crazy you know (laughs) it's pretty and to be there on that night when babylon falls yeah yeah, and there does seem to be some meaning. Obviously, the meaning of the words to to uh, to number the days, to be weighed in the balance, and to be divided and given. 
those are, you know, the things that eventually happen to the king, but they, they seem to be monetary units as well. And uh, I, I'm not one to make too much of the numerology of it, but it, it does seem that there's an equation to each of those units that um, it's possible led up to 62 shekels, which Darius the Mede was 62 years old at the end there in the, in the last verse. So I think, you know, for whatever that's worth, but I mean, it, at the least it's, it's interesting and to see how even the, those kind of prophetic things are come to pass, I think. Well, that's what's fun about this passage. There's so much going on. And uh, in the kitchen, we don't have enough time to go through all of it. We get enough to just scratch the surface. But um, Sunday, uh, we're going to be diving in and doing much, much more about it. But I think that that's right. You look at it and go, there's stuff God puts into text that is for us thousands of years later even. And uh, encouraging you to read this passage, study it on your own as well, when you, and then come... Come join and share with us even what God's revealing to you. But um, we love that God speaks through men and that God speaks through his own hand. Um, it's a scary day if your handwriting is on the wall. Um, but the idea that God still engages with us is a beautiful thing. Uh, thanks for joining us and uh, have a great week.